regrette rien Ni le bien qu'on m'a fait Ni le mal, tout ça m'est bien How about a time machine? A deep bite into history. My name is Arash Kakpour. My name is Diego Romero. And welcome. Uh, we're sitting here on a gorgeous, gorgeous, sunny morning, uh, 5 a.m., somewhere in uh, the interior of B.C. Uh, we got quite lost last night, so... <laughs> then we found this podcast, and we're like, hey, why don't we just do this podcast? It's nice to be here, lost, but engaged and interested in the past of us. Diego's been drinking. <laughs> <laughs> I have not. Uh, yeah, yeah. I see in your cup, you're holding a vodka, coffee. It's with like vitamin a, D in it. It's like, a, <laughs> it's like a hybrid. This is a true story. I'm having a coffee, vodka, cream, and vitamin D. It's I put three capsules in there just to. What does vitamin D do? It just uh, adds a adds a bit of Diego, a, a bit of edge to it. <laughs> Like dancing? <laughs> like, actually, yeah. Last day of dancing on the edge as well. Today, by the way, but is July 16th, 2016. July 16th. Mm, it's Ringo's birthday in two days. That's amazing. Mm. Two days right after Dance on the Edge. Ends. And it's Ringo Starr's birthday. What a coincidence. What a coincidence. What a coincidence. But, um... Why don't we start off... Uh, why don't you tell us a bit about you and your work and what you do? I... I make the darts go on their edge, you know. The darts? So <laughs> I'm a, I'm a professional dart player. Professional? Yes. Mm, yes. What how, what does it take to become a professional dart player? Focus. Mm, that's it. Focus and determination. Mm. Uh you got to throw the dart on the line which is dotted. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> I'm not Alec Baldwin. And then once you're done? And then once you're done you win. You get your every <laughs> time. <laughs> well, yeah, it depends how focused you are and how much it's on the line. But um, not on the edge. You just don't want to cross the line. But you can cross the edge. Uh, if you cross the edge, you're out of the game. Basically, <laughs> you probably shouldn't have been in the game. <laughs> I see you know a lot about your line of work. Yes. How yes. long have you been a professional dart player? It's 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 been long enough. Mm. Long enough. And how do you pronounce darts? Darts. Darts. <laughs> darts like a. And how do you spell it? D A R T S S S S. That's the darts. sound of the darts flying. Oh, yeah! Nobody knows that actually. Mm. Even some dart players. And how do you say it in Spanish? That's up to you. No, that's how up to you. you. <laughs> I actually don't speak Spanish. Uh, then where did you get the name? Darts. Diego. Oh, Diego! My parents wanted to name me that. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! What do you, so? What do you do, by the way? I uh, I Pokemon stop. <laughs> Does that come from Pokemon Go? Yeah, except it stops. It just stops. Okay, so maybe tell us a little bit about you, the background of your work, which is Pokemon Go. Well, I Go basically started camera. off by thank you for asking. I I start by pulling out my phone and I stop. <laughs> stop it right there. It's 
But it, what is the game? They're two tricky maneuvers, uh, but if you can accomplish them, you 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 just stop doing it, uh, and it's done. I see. It took a and, lot of training. But what is Pokemon Go for the for the for our audiences that might not know what that means? It's well, that's not actually my line of work, but uh, from what I from what I know, is because I'm in Pokemon Stop, not Pokemon Go. Uh, it's a mixture between reality and virtual reality, which basically you go out and capture Pokemons through your phone in the real world. And it, so far, people have gotten into car crashes and hit by cars and all kinds of crazy things. This is actually a true story, by the way, everyone. It's uh, not really a story. Pokemon Go, <laughs> Pokemon Go is a real game. If you Google it, you'll see. And Pokemon Stop can be too. Pokemon Stop it's is up the, to you. <laughs> it's up. Can too, but it's up to you. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, um, today we're gonna be interviewing um, Karen Jameson, artistic director of Karen Jameson Dance. We would like to acknowledge uh, that this recording takes place on the unce- unceded, traditional, and ancestral territories of the Coast Salish peoples, including the Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh nations, uh, on whose land we play, work, dance, uh, and live. And now record podcasts. You look beautiful in green, Rash. Thank you. I don't. I don't. I'm not wearing green right now. And I mean, because all the trees around you are nice. <laughs> We're actually sitting cross-legged, naked in a forest, petting a unicorn. <laughs> this is why I always want to do podcasts. As soon as you decide to do a podcast, a unicorn just appears just out of nowhere. You should under you the clothes socks fall off. <laughs> You can't even help it. Uh, um, well, without further ado, I would like to introduce... Karen Jameson. Now, we are going to cut, and we've already done the interview, so we're going to show you the, the past presently now. Um, so goodbye. <laughs> goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs> goodbye, my friend. You've, I think you've been the one. Been the one for who? For me. Oh, for you all along? Goodbye, my lover. <laughs> goodbye, my friend. I'm starting to suspect that you're a James Blunt fan. Well, it is James Blunt, right? Yeah. Did you find him in the forest? I'm so hollow. (laughs) I'm so hollow, baby. Are you coming on to me? In the forest? Unicorn, help. Unicorn, bring your horn. Unicorn, go. Unicorn, go. No, unicorn, stop. (laughs) Here's Karen Jameson. Thank you for listening. If there's anybody left out there. And hello, Karen. Hello. Thanks for joining us. My pleasure. Well, uh, yeah, it's it's really, uh, we're very grateful uh, that you accepted our our Mm. invitation Mm -hmm. to be here as a second guest. Um, In your one spare hour of the day at this point. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, yeah. Um, No, I'm interested in... uh, the younger generation, pardon me, I don't have any other term for it, uh, <laughs> being interested, I'm interested in your interest mm-hmm. in what came before, because dance is such an ephemeral art form. Mm-hmm. Easy to get lost. And I also remember when I was a young dancer, going to New York, and going to the New York Public Library, and just ransacking all their um, archival material. They had material on everything that came before. Mm-hmm. The the um, original modern dancers, Doris Humphrey, Martha Graham, all the way back to like Nijinsky, 
and so I know that need to know what came before mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. how can you go yeah. forward? In other words, how can you go forward if you don't know yeah. where it's coming from? Yes. And so contemporary dance has this mm -hmm. need to find its, its totally. past totally. as well as its future. And I think we're just hoping to help with a little, little bit of that. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, and that was really always the idea. I wish, you know, oh, how can we actually hear mm -hmm. our, our mentors, our um, our teachers, mm -hmm. uh, f you know, fully outside of class yeah. and, and what they actually have to say yeah. and, and what they went through and, yeah. and really learn from that. And um, also for young dancers who are just kind of getting into the community mm -hmm. and they know faces, but they have no reference to yeah. how someone speaks or their history. or Where did they come from? Yeah. Yeah, that kind of. That's kind of where, other than just our personal curiosity, that's why we found ourselves. Mm -hmm. Okay. So what what are you interested in knowing? I'll try yeah. to first try off. Try to help. If you could uh, describe for us what it is that you do exactly. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> well, I've been deeply immersed in dance for many years. I've lost track. 45 years, something mm -hmm. like that. And I think I would say that it's been this extraordinary journey of continually opening up new possibilities, like new wounds coming into a, an art form that I think in the very beginning you are primarily concerned with the self. How, how can I dance is the big question. How can I move forward? How can I learn? How can I? And that's the revolving, everything revolves around that. And then gradually as the uh, art form begins to transform you, one, you begin to wonder what you have to contribute to the art mm -hmm. form. That shift happens it just happens i think naturally mm. uh, and you start to want to know more about the art form so what do i do um, i have multiple arenas that i practice in mm -hmm. so again if i started at the beginning all i knew was um, learning from teachers uh, learning to choreograph and stu what i call now studio stage-based productions mm. you learn your chops, you get into the studio, you work with some other dancers, you create a piece, you put it on mm -hmm. stage. And then as time went on and I began to want to know more and more about this amazing art form, uh, I started to work in cross-cultural, what I think mm. I describe as cross-cultural dialogue, like dialogical processes, mm. um, whereby information can move in two directions with artists in different cultures. Mm -hmm. It's been primarily First Nations for a number of reasons. I've been very, very drawn to First Nations dance, um, culture, aesthetic, traditions. Uh, then as time went on, uh, and it was circumstance and pieces that I did quite by accident where I was commissioned by the National Gallery to mm. create a piece mm -hmm. um, with the em Emily Carr show, ended up being um, um, being uh, aware that the guards, who were like a small community within the uh, art gallery, 
created another level of the piece. So I began to see then community-engaged art as a way of, of opening up more levels. Mm -hmm. So it's not just the performer and the audience, but that the community dancer becomes a kind of conduit, mm -hmm. a, an mm -hmm. intermediary level, uh, and that there is, and then that the whole makes up something that's more reflective of a society, say. Mm -hmm. And again, that fascination with uh, who dances, who can dance, uh, mm. what is dance, on and on the questions, the questions. Because mm. I came out of philosophy and anthropology too before I started dance. So questions, questions, mm. questions, and culture uh, are oh. very, very interesting mm -hmm. to me and have permeated my work. Because mm. I know you, your studies were in anthropology before you got into dance. Yes, yes. Was, was that in university? Yeah, that was uh, University of British Columbia. I, I went uh, in, I ended up getting a BA in anthropology and philosophy, a double major. Mm. Oh. And then I, I was going to go on to get a PhD in philosophy and live that life. Mm -hmm. And uh, well, the whole hippie revolution came along. <laughs> 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 you missed that. You'd have been just out. born probably <laughs> after it. And you would have loved it. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it just came along. And the primary message is you can do anything, you can be anything. And so the rail, because I think many uh -huh. of us of my generation, we just went along like a rail uh, along the path that was already set out. You know, mm -hmm. And for me, it was an academic life. That's mm -hmm. where my family came from. And mm -hmm. I chugged along from high school to university to da 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 da. Uh -huh. And then suddenly this uh, blinkers, which is what I think that that time did, mm -hmm. said you can do anything, you can be anything. And mm -hmm. so I gave up honors philosophy. <laughs> well, <laughs> <no>. <laughs> Spent some while uh, just trying to figure out what I was going to do with my life and got horribly bored. Uh -huh. Then went to Simon Fraser to get a teaching degree, teaching school, just because I needed to do something. Mm -hmm. Hippie, hippie life is pretty boring, actually. Just be like, you know, just be is not that exciting for me. Uh -huh. Others, others time. it worked. Others it worked. It was great, but for me, I got terribly bored. So mm. I, I decided to go for a teaching degree. And one of the prerequisites was I had to take a um, uh, elective. Mm -hmm. And so I decided to take dance. It's mm. like, hmm, that'd mm -hmm. be fun. Mm -hmm. And Iris Garland happened to be my teacher. No and way. I just fell in love with it. I decided my whole life, this is what I was meant to do. Mm -hmm. And Iris was very, very supportive. And so I just went 180 degrees mm -hmm. in a mm -hmm. whole other direction and decided I'd at least give it a try, mm -hmm. even though, you know, I was, according to the um, common wisdom, too old mm -hmm. to dance, because I was 20-something. Oh, you were supposed started. to be seven, right? So <laughs> <laughs> well, especially for women. Especially for mm -hmm. girls, women. Mm -hmm. oh, it was expected that if you didn't sure. start at age seven, eight, nine, well, you were just... Over the hill, too bad. Mm -hmm. But I just thought I'd give it a try. And then mm -hmm. uh, Iris Garland, who was very much um, the person who encouraged me and helped me on this path, uh, she took a group of us, because there were several of us. Among them, um, Savannah Walling. You know Savannah Walling, who had the Vancouver Moving Theatre, part of the City Festival. Hmm. 
that's another story. <laughs> anyway, Ooh, she took a group of us and um, we just worked with her for a year. And uh, I'll give you, and that just made it clear to me that uh, I was going to do this. And I decided to go to New York because that, it seemed, was where you had to go. Mm-hmm. And I should give you the landscape of Vancouver at the time. So that would have been 19, whoo, I have to go back. <laughs> 1970, 1969, 1970, somewhere around there. Um, yeah, somewhere around, <laughs> could be, it could be. And in Vancouver at that time, there was uh, Paula Ross had a company, Anna Wyman had a company, Norbert Visak was doing stuff over in the North Shore, and the ballet company at the time was Pacific Ballet Theater mm-hmm. that was uh, run by Maria Lewis. Mm-hmm. So that was the landscape. That was it. That was it. That was it. <laughs> you have to understand, that was it. Edam wasn't around then? Oh, no. No, no, no. This is pre Edam. There was synergy, mm-hmm. which is, and that was where Peter was starting to. So Peter and I are more or less at the same time, but he w- is certainly yeah. way. Edom was much later. I'll context, get to Edom. <laughs> okay, we'll yeah. get to Edom, but that's sometime later. Contact even started seventy one when you were just. No, you know where contact started in New York while I was there with Steve Paxton yeah, and Steve right. Paxton. But we're getting ahead of ourselves. Yeah, I'm in sorry, the Vancouver sorry. landscape. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> Vancouver landscape, which. Because I'd started with Iris Garland, who continually referenced New York, mm-hmm. and that was what she did. She brought in teachers from New York, mm-hmm. and I just developed this hunger for New York. Mm-hmm. And what was going on in Vancouver, none of it interested me. It all felt a little bit kind of stuck and mm-hmm. parochial and um, uh, kind of bound by uh, forms that weren't alive. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you follow what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So yes. the people were choreographing with given forms that had already been kind of set out yeah. some decades before, and it just nothing excited me, nothing interested me. I just yeah. wanted to go to New York, mm-hmm. so I decamped and went to New York. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, in New York at that time, I studied with pretty much everybody in the city, but that was where. It was about that time that contact was starting because I worked with a woman named Yvonne Rayner mm-hmm. in New mm-hmm. York. And that Judson Street group, which Steve Paxton was part of, she was part of, mm-hmm. and I worked with her for several years. So he was always around and he was starting this thing called called contact at that time. Mm-hmm. Everything was going on in New York. It was pretty exciting years that I was there. Mm-hmm. And that was the 1071 freeway. Something like that, because I was there for four years. I think it was 70 to 74, 71 to 75, early 70s, first half of the decade of the 70s, I was in New York. And uh, I studied at the Nikolai School. I studied at Cunningham School. I studied at the Graham School. Um, I ended up being part of the Nikolai Company and touring with them. Um, But ran into problems because I had no... um, work visa right and they got caught and so Nikolai said like he was really gonna offer me something really really special mm-hmm. you could become an Amer- I, I'll sponsor you to become an American and mm. I thought oh, no I can't <laughs> I, I'm Canadian mm-hmm. I couldn't I couldn't do it yeah. and so he was quite 
I just remember the coldness in the room. It's like, Jesus. how could anybody not want to be an American? Mm. So instead, what he did is I, he, he sent me across the border. To, then I had to apply for a work permit, which was refused. So I couldn't keep working with him, which was wow. kind of okay. Because mm -hmm. I, I noticed at one point you mentioned in your blurb, email blurb, Mm -hmm. That you were interested in the relationship of male choreographers to women. Yes. Mm -hmm. Nikolai did not like women. He was oh. a total misogynist. Mm -hmm. So that's. A I know I should not speak ill of the dead, but he didn't mm -hmm. like women. And so at that mm -hmm. time, all the women were encouraged to be really, really thin. I was the only time in my life anorexic, mm -hmm. really, really skinny, because he didn't like female flesh uh -huh. <laughs> around uh -huh. him. So. Skinny, and then we wore huge false eyelashes. That's what we were obliged to wear, and um, hair on top mm. of our head this way, and body suits. Mm. And I was just as well that fate uh -huh. chucked me out of that. Mm -hmm. And then mm. I studied with Graham Cunningham, and created work with other dancers. Mm -hmm. And stayed in New York. And stayed in New York for four years. I oh, got did. some after Canada Council grant after that, yeah. And did my own work and yeah. put on a work at Judson Street Church and mm -hmm. put on work uh, dance, what was it called? Dance theater workshop. And it, it was an amazing time. Twyla Tharp was starting at that mm. time. Ah. Um, what else was going on? Martha Graham was just kind of peaking and not peaking. She had peaked. Mm -hmm. And um, she would still come to class and kind of, um, uh, what was the word, just abuse the students. And she was ferocious, <laughs> ferocious woman. And you saw the sort of pedagogy of that era mm -hmm. was um, that the uh, uh, choreographers had a god. Well, especially because New York. Every dancer in the world was right. streaming to New York, and all they wanted was to get in one of these companies. Right. So yeah. the choreographers of the major companies were quite autocratic. Mm -hmm. it, it was a very hierarchical yeah. scenario. Mm -hmm. But I had an amazing time, uh, mm -hmm. just an incredible time. And one time that I applied for a Canada Council grant, which I didn't get, um, that was... I think it was before I joined the Nikolai company, they told me that I wasn't going to amount to a hill of beans unless I studied ballet. So the, the jury, oh. the jury told me that. And so, um, uh, what's her name? They're right. See, they were right. I know now in retrospect, mm -hmm. because without some sort of classical understanding of your own classical dance history, mm -hmm. You're again that sense of being stuck in the present, like stuck uh, in the. You you have no sense of the history. That is. Because remember, I'm an adult. I'm like 25 by now, so it's not like a seven-year-old studying ballet. I'm studying it like you study. Right. Uh, a classical form, yeah. and and it was significant and important, especially since one of the things that happened is that um, Betty Oldfont, who ran the. Mm -hmm. National Ballet School mm -hmm. of Canada was on the jury and invited me to come as a scholarship student to their summer program. Mm -hmm. yeah. So I spent the whole summer with little perfect creatures that was came up to here <laughs> who oh, could to dance the to the waist wow. and could dance circles around me. Mm -hmm. oh, wow. And it was sort of humiliating and just so important to step in my life where uh -huh. mm -hmm. I just 
had to completely let go of the fact that I was a grown adult and married, as a matter of fact, and I had to just uh, um, submit to this extraordinary discipline, and it was a fabulous teacher at the National Ballet School, I might add. The other person on the jury was Martha Hill, who ran the Juilliard. So she invited me to come and meet um, Alfredo Corvino, who then became my teacher in Montreal. So mm -hmm. I had these, I had these help all the way along the way. I had people who would very influential people. Yes, in who would now, who would yeah. mentor me or guide me or direct me over mm -hmm. over the years, and there was just so much there. Mm -hmm. I would go and see something every night. Every night mm -hmm. there'd be wow. something going on. There would be, it would be some fourth floor walk up of some weird experimental something or other, or it would be the New York City Ballet, mm -hmm. and they'd have three month seasons. There was just so much. Wow. And what they also had in New York at that time is if you could prove that you were a student, which I could easily enough, mm -hmm. um, you could get these books of tickets, you know, like you'd buy if you're getting, putting on a show. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And each one was $2, you'd buy a whole roll of them. And then you'd get into the New York City Ballet or the Opera or any of that oh stuff. My God. Yes. Was it government subsidized? It was. I th it was either philanthropy. Um, uh, the American system of was not so much government as philanthropy, and somebody would put up. Okay, I want to. I want to give a five hundred thousand dollars so that all the student art students in New York can. Oh, I could also go to galleries. It. it uh -huh. There was this uh, support of. Mm -hmm of students of art and performing arts mm -hmm. there. I don't know if it's still going on. Mm. It was happening in the 70s. It was like I don't even know. I but don't that's, know. That's, yeah. It was amazing. So it allowed me to just be immersed and saturated in art and culture for those four years and work my buns off. And, and when you were there, so you, were you doing the program, dance program, or you were sort of freelancing? I would just freelance. I would go follow my nose. And, and yeah, or just meet people. But, like, yeah. but, you know, the schools, like the Nikolai School, had a program. And so I, I went into that school. I and see. after a year, it became... Um, so sounds just... It's <laughs> just funny the sound. Ladies and gentlemen, if you hear sounds, that's it's the croissants. It's the croissants. Yes. Um, <laughs> so, so, yeah. There, there was a program at the Nikolai School. Cunningham was just all these, it was a school as well, mm -hmm. but it just had all these levels and you, were, you went to what you thought was your level. Mm -hmm. um, Graham School was getting kind of funky because Martha was in and out and um, not in her heyday, but I still learned a lot there because her protégés were right. in control and they had spent you know, most of their lives at mm -hmm. her feet. Mm -hmm. Literally, yeah. <laughs> just sort of the way it went. Yeah. And then the ballet, Alfredo Corvino had a school. Mm -hmm. So you'd go there and you'd find your place in it. Sure. But my choice, so I wasn't at a school. Like Juilliard would have such a school. Right. Or mm -hmm. the universities. But at that point I was, had no interest in what university dance programs had mm -hmm. to offer. I wanted the art. Mm -hmm. I wanted that mm -hmm. stuff. I wanted the horse's mouth. I wanted the old war guard, the mm -hmm. old guard. The yeah. And then when you came, did you come back after a while? I came back after four years to New to to Vancouver, mm -hmm. with the idea that I wanted whatever I wanted to do, I wanted to do here. And I taught at SFU for a while. Mm -hmm. Iris Garland got me back, mm -hmm. but I didn't really want to do that again. That desire not to be in the university right. mm -hmm. milieu, but to create in a dance community, mm -hmm. which which was yeah. starting to, it was just starting. So when you got home, what yeah. changed? Or what how changed? Does the scene in Vancouver um, 
let's see now. It's been like five, six years. Yeah, five, no, four years. I've been gone four okay. years. Um, Anna Wyman is still there. <laughs> Paula Ross is still there. Ballet, Pacific Ballet Theater is still there. Um, it's all the same. Much the <laughs> same. Um, yeah, it's much the same. Mm -hmm. And so uh, Synergy may have folded somewhere around there, and mm -hmm. I think Peter may have started a thing called Fulcrum. Mm. It was preceded Ida. Mm. So he started Fulcrum, I think, with his uh, partner, Helen. And, um, and what's his name? Oh, damn, how could I forget his name? He comes from Montreal. He, they Edward, uh, no, Hardwood, uh, no, no, Harwood, yes. Harwood. Yes, Andrew, Andrew Harwood. So that was Fulcrum. Th yeah, those three. And Andrew was here. Andrew was here. Andrew's based here. He was. Uh, that's where he started with Peter and Fulcrum. And then he moved to Montreal. Then he went to Montreal. So they were happening. Um, I may have missed somebody. Forgive me if I did, whoever I missed. Um, so I didn't want to join any of those existing mm -hmm. groups. Uh, I started teaching at Simon Fraser. Um, so I asked Carrie and Savannah. Carrie Hunter and Savannah Walling, mm -hmm. who are currently directing Dancing and Moving Theatre. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. And they do Heart of the City Festival, which is an aside mm -hmm. if you want to figure out who they are. Mm -hmm. I know. Um, they went much more into a sort of more theatrical direction. Uh -huh. But we started this group uh, in, I guess, when was it? 75? Something like that? Mm -hmm. uh, and started to explore, and the it was called Terminal City Dance, and it was dedicated to experimental exploration of cross-cultural, cross-everything. Mm -hmm. So we did that for quite a few years. Uh, then I'll let you ask me more questions. I was going to ask, were you getting support at that point? Uh, so when you so let's see, I came back. Simon Fraser was how I supported myself right, right. by teaching at Simon Fraser. Mm. Then Terminal City did start applying for grants and we did get some. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we would get like project grants. Right. You have to remember too these things. I think people don't always realize. When I first started dancing, there was no dance section at the Canada Council. <laughs> there was no dance section. What was that? There was a theater section and dance section was a little sort of mm. offshoot of theater. Right? Mm. Oh. Is that appalling? I mean, think about it. That's mm -hmm. It's pretty. <laughs> and dance is And so there was no Arts Council, BC Arts Council. So funding, there was none. It came yeah. later. Mm. So funding was, you know, a hard scrabble. Yeah. But yeah, Terminal yeah. City, this experimental, we managed to get some fairly good response. We went sort of as far out to the limb as we could right. mm -hmm. and experimented pretty wildly. Mm -hmm. Just to clarify that for our audience, so funding is coming from a subsector of the Canada Council in the theatre. Yeah, so the there there wasn't a dance section. And there's no provincial funding? Uh, no, I think they managed to squeeze out a couple of bucks every now and then, but there was no arts council. Things were tough, mm -hmm. there was not a lot of support. So yeah, like if you wanted to make your own work, you would have to work and then, and then yeah. maybe... Yeah, and that's, what, that's what we did with Terminal City. Mm -hmm. And you can't, and try to imagine, if you will, our first tour mm -hmm. like first of all <laughs> well first of all we didn't have a place of space a place to rehearse so we would just go all over the city and we'd find empty spaces mm -hmm. like we'd go to UBC a place called the Armory I knew because I'd been a student there and here's an empty room mm -hmm. right we go up there and so we just like squatting mm -hmm. and or we rehearse outside wow. or we'd just wherever we could finally we scraped together a bit of money 
um, to sort of rent little rooms mm -hmm. to, to rehearse in. There was no money. Wow. And then we got offer of bringing our work on a BC tour, but there wasn't much in the way of fees. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. that tour meant all of us getting in a um, van and driving ourselves mm -hmm. around BC and uh, billeting on people's mm -hmm. floors. And then doing a show. And then doing a the show. <laughs> then wow. they'd help us put the show together. And then we get a little bit of money and we'd divide it up. Right. It was just The only thing that we have in close to now so is the Made in BC tour, but yeah. on a bigger scale now. I think Made in BC <laughs> tour, Sorry, let me tell you, I've done a Made in BC tour. There's no relationship to those <laughs> tours. But you know what? They were wild. And they and and we would, we would perform wherever anybody would have us uh -huh. because you just wanted to develop the work. You right. wanted to get it right. out there. So we'd go to like, you know, um, the Pearson Hospital mm -hmm. where the people with disabilities. Oh. And that was amazing. We'd perform there because that was one of the first experiences I've had of audience really entering the piece through, mm. of being a conduit. Mm -hmm. That these people who couldn't have various levels of disability, mostly in wheelchairs, mm -hmm. could be in the dance. That, right. that we could be conduits. Mm -hmm. That and, and began to develop another way of thinking about performance, that they're not just watching these beautiful bodies. Mm -hmm. not just but they're truly yeah. connected. But yeah. they are participating mm -hmm. in an experiential way. That became really, really interesting. And that came out of those early days where we just perform anywhere. We go to old folks' homes, we go to Pearson Hospital. Mm -hmm. We'd wow. go wherever anybody wanted a performance, yeah. there we'd go. Because it gave a chance, really, workshop, develop, right. create a sense of what is performance, mm -hmm. what is dance. So the question, the question was there probably from the get-go. Mm -hmm. What is dance and what can it do? What's its power? What's its place? What, how can it affect us later and later? Mm -hmm. Became how can it affect social change? How can right. it transform us from the inside out? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That mm -hmm. being of interest to me. And that was the w that was Terminal City Roof. Terminal City Dance. Terminal City Dance. Yeah. Um, after a while we called ourselves Terminal City Dance Research. I remember one reviewer saying an even more grim and austere <laughs> name than <laughs> <laughs> I think we dropped research after a while. It did oh, seem a little a little too, you know. We needed a little bit of fun. Doing, yeah, we it was re I've always been really, really interested in research. Mm -hmm. as, as as exciting as, as the product. In anthropology, right. you said that yeah. it makes so much sense. You're actually yeah. uh, d d figuring out those tools and yeah. from an anthropology and philosophy, but in, in yeah. a dance form. Yeah, another way of thinking is mm -hmm. how I've always mm -hmm. seen dance. That's really exciting. <laughs> okay, so where are we? I think we're somewhere still back in the 70s, I think. <laughs> um, I just want to ask on those early tours, if you yeah. were, uh, you mentioned the one experience where you really felt the audience connect, that you mm. felt that that was kind of being, how successful that was being throughout the, uh, mm. the shows, or you really felt? It um, so much depended on... Um, how prepared the audience was in some ways, and the and the actual venue, because right. if you performed in a gym, it was a little hard <laughs> to connect. And yes. we performed in gyms. I just want to remind everybody that there's just one. Yeah, once again. Karen is choking on her water. <laughs> 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 
screen on his water bottle. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, um, yeah, it depended yeah. on the venue. Right. <laughs> and, so, and how prepared the audience was. So the community itself, whether they had some background, whether they had mm -hmm. an arts council that was really dedicated and would prepare them, mm -hmm. or whether somebody really didn't care. It's just like, okay, sure, sure, put them on. Right, right. And maybe <laughs> we can now move on to talk about the... Um, History of your company, Karen Jameson Band, started in 1980. Yeah, so it's actually not so long after that. Nice connection with that. Very well <laughs> done. Um, I, g I got tired of being in a collective. Mm -hmm. uh, I think at one point in my life, everything, every part of my life was a collective, and mm -hmm. I couldn't stand it anymore. Uh, um, mm. And one of the things that I've always been interested in is this kind of tension between individual and group. And I, uh, mm. and I like choreographically, it's a really nice mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. form to explore. But I've always felt that within myself. You know that um, oh, I want to there, and then there's the the uh, collective, collaborative processes that are also really interesting to me. Mm -hmm. But I got tired of being in a collective. Mm -hmm. Wanted to chart a way that didn't necessarily agree with Terry and Savannah. So they took off in their direction. Right. I took off in mine. And um, Grant Stratty was really supportive there. He was mm -hmm. a mentor. Mm -hmm. um, I did something called the choreographic seminar. I don't know if you've heard of those. They were pretty, mm -hmm. they were pretty amazing. Where Grant was one of the um, uh, leading instigators, but also a man named Robert Cohan from England, and they were based on some um, work, sort of seminars done in England. These choreographic seminars, where they uh, invited a bunch of choreo choreographers, bunch of composers a bunch of dancers, and every day you got three dancers and a composer, and you had to create a piece for that night, and it was performed for everybody. Mm. So what it did for me is make me think, oh my God, I want out of this collective. I want to be able to do this. This is right. so exciting. Right. Mm. They have dancers going, what would you like us to do? Instead, <laughs> of, <laughs> instead of going, okay, what should we do? Well, I don't really know if I want to do that. Right. Uh, what is the meaning of that mm. movement that you've just asked me to do? I'm not sure if it makes sense to me. I didn't want to do that. Right. I wanted mm -hmm. to just go this direction. It was mm -hmm. so exciting. Mm -hmm. So, and then Grant was very supportive in saying it's time to chart a direction on your own. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. I did. And can I ask how old were you at that time? By that time, how old was I? Oh my God! I have to start really doing some math here, so Rash. Yeah. <laughs> because uh, it, if you started thirties, that's thirty. So ten years after you started, you were yeah. Like, yeah, it was about 10 years later, 30-something. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. 31. Wow. 32. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. And then, you, and then, and then the funding was probably more developed by them to grow. No, there was no funding. No, no, because Terminal <laughs> City, yeah, that's it. That's it. Uh, so right. start the company, right? Then look for funding. Mm -hmm. I think that's always the way I've done it. Right. Do what yeah. I want to do and then look how to fund it. Right. Because... The reality was, if you wait for the funding, you'll never, never do anything. You never get going, and mm -hmm. the funding is responding to the work anyway, right? Mm -hmm. So, so actually, the first paycheck I think my then manager um, used her children's education fund, <laughs> which she never let me forget. And then we applied for a grant, and thank God we got it. <laughs> she it. Oh my God! They are back and. And we got the grant, yeah. That was the year I did Sisyphus. And, and, and yeah. Sisyphus was really about, because everybody at that time said, 
you know what? Don't bother with Guardians Company. It's really hopeless. <laughs> it's hope you won't get funding, and you know there's so much competition. Right. I mean, just what? get real. <laughs> so, so the idea, the idea of this monumental task, like bigger than was possible, was was underlying that beginning of this company. Mm -hmm. And so Sisyphus was an expression of that, mm -hmm. the guy pushing the boulder mm -hmm. up the hill. But also the feeling that uh, the boulder coming down the hill yeah. was dance itself. Mm -hmm. And that mm -hmm. <laughs> okay. Hmm. So. And does that come just uh, out of curiosity, your interest in philosophy, maybe? Um, I have a real love of mythology, mm -hmm. and that's probably uh, the cross-cultural. Mm -hmm. uh, but I've always loved mythology mm -hmm. as a way of thinking, and a way of 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 bringing together complex ideas mm -hmm. into a really singular form, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. which is what Sisyphus to me was. Because yeah. yeah. I didn't start by trying to tell the story. Right. I started with the idea of, of just monumental. Okay, you guys, it, everything had to be maximum effort. How it's um, because it's not easy. You're pushing against. We mm -hmm. worked all, all, a lot on um, going against gravity. Uh, mm. First of all, determining gravity, then going against it, um, carrying mm -hmm. each other around, mm -hmm. stuff like that. Yeah. Oh, oh, I know, I know. And I was interested in work. The idea. Of Dance being sort of the laboring class of the art. Mm -hmm. Like it's, it's work. It's work. Yeah, yeah it's, it's like ditch digging. Yeah. It's like yes, it's yes. it's down there, you know, and and oh, it's beautiful. and that's the social strata of right. dance. It's right at the bottom, yes. where it's all the ones that are all about here or up here. It's like mind body, right? The body's right. down here. The brain's up here. Mm -hmm. um, so that interested me as well. Mm -hmm. And at the time that I was doing Sisyphus, I think there was a lot of unemployment, mm -hmm. and so I was hearing, you know, work was one of the things. So I actually, we made a floor. That was one of the first things we did. We made a floor. We made a floor. We put a floor down mm -hmm. on a studio and then did Sisyphus on it. So the work involved in you know sawing right. and hammering uh -huh. and was just of interest to me. And then later, I kind of said, oh, but Sisyphus popped his head up. Mm. And that was Jay Herbiashi who. Oh, Jay was in the work. Jay was Herbiashi. Jay was Sisyphus. Wow. No way. Yeah, he was. That's amazing. Yeah. And we will hopefully get Jay on this spot as well. Yeah, and he can tell you his experience with Sisyphus. <laughs> yeah, that would be nice. <laughs> yeah, of being, <laughs> being Sisyphus, yeah. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, and that led to some success, some funding, mm -hmm. uh, uh, over the next decade or so, mm -hmm. and uh, creation of more and more work, just wondering about uh, how your practices change over time. Mm -hmm. like yeah, yeah, I can go there. Yeah. Um, so that actually would bring us nicely from the 80s, where I was deeply immersed in yeah. studio stage production, mm -hmm. working with a company. And in those days, uh, the company stayed all year. And in fact, mm -hmm. uh, there's a group of us that worked together for uh, pretty much eight years that have of late been doing reunions. It's just mm. been amazing. So we did a lot of amazing work together, mm -hmm. including that work called Passage that was the one from the National Gallery in Ottawa. Mm -hmm. And it was there that I really saw what I was talking about, that these layers, that the studio stage work, site-specific work, which that was, mm -hmm. um, including people who were uh, not professional dancers, mm -hmm. but not either or, 
Right. So I did several works like that. Another mm -hmm. piece called The River mm. that included that same group mm -hmm. of professional dancers being almost like the spirit of place. The audience was funneled by a group of community dancers mm. who held um, banners, sort of controlled them, mm -hmm. and they followed this river, this brewery creek stream mm. down the course of the river. So that was really interesting because uh -huh. it connected so many of my interests there right. of, of the congruence of body and land that mm. uh, our bodies are composed of thousands of rivulets, you know, that they're not solid. Mm -hmm. Their mm -hmm. energy flow fluid um, and so is the earth. Mm -hmm. That the river or stream is still there under the concrete. So the idea that the concrete's like a scab that really interested me, uh -huh. and mm. this layering of professionals and community dancers uh -huh. being a mediator, and then the audience. So we had a lot of fun with that. Mm. Yeah. And so that's the shit, these are the shift pieces where something started to open up mm -hmm. of place, started to become interested in place, community, um, cultural dialogue within, mm -hmm. using, using the language of dance mm -hmm. to dialogue with other cultures, mm -hmm. and um, it, that's that was the change, and it was the late nineties, uh, sorry, late eighties, eighties mm -hmm. into the nineties. These changes started to take place. Mm -hmm. Yet I still love stage sometimes, mm -hmm. and I love studios. Mm -hmm. <laughs> In fact, there are days, um, certainly working on the river, which mm -hmm. was mostly outside. Can you imagine all year long rehearsing outside? It was actually, right. I think now. How'd I do that? <laughs> I don't know. And we just come in and we had a studio and just lie exhausted on the floor because mm -hmm. it's exhausting, the sound and yeah. this. Yeah. And I've uh, done this, the same thing in the downtown east side, worked with mm -hmm. community members performing, dancing mm -hmm. outside, and it's exhausting. It's, you wouldn't believe how noisy it is. The, mm -hmm. the sirens constantly, the traffic, yeah. the exhaust, the pollution. Mm -hmm. Just. I live down there. You live down there, yeah. Yep. Yeah. You know. <laughs> uh, maybe that, that might take us to the uh, off unexpected obstacles. Just wondering if you, uh, mm. if you, if you encountered some unexpected obstacles uh, in your career that you, mm. that you want to share. Yeah, yeah. So for a long time, uh, things just kept unfolding. And I found support, a lot of support within mm. the community, found that a lot of my ideas would meet with critical and audience and uh -huh. so forth, positive things just kind of chugging along really well. Um, in 1995, I was working on a piece up north mm -hmm. called uh, Stone Soup. Mm. Um, Stone soup. Yeah, yeah. You know the story mm -hmm. of the guy who comes to town and says, I can make stone soup. Mm -hmm. They get the pot boiling and he puts the stone in and said, if you know, if, I, if everybody sort of puts their, their finger, mm -hmm. you've got a bit of good stuff. Mm -hmm. yeah. That's the parable or the, that it was based on. But uh, traveling up north, researching this project, uh, I was involved in a really really just set me back. 
my traveling companion was composure. Except for that, she has brain damage to that accident. So I pulled back, way back, yeah. at that time. So if you can imagine, everything's just, you know, everything's just going along so well. <laughs> no, no real obstacles mm -hmm. to, uh, but that was just fate or bad luck, an icy road, uh, unfamiliar territory, we crashed. Mm -hmm. And so the company just, I had to pull back from everything. Mm -hmm. And it was at the time, um, I really wondered whether I'd be able to keep going mm -hmm. with on uh, and the dance profession, as you can probably gather, is highly competitive, and you can't just pull out for a while and then think you'll get back on the train. The trains left the station, so that was a really huge time of change within, and I became very, very interested in that aspect of dance I call healing. And that's where that. So while it was a horrific time in my life, it was very, very difficult. I was, you know, diagnosed with post-traumatic stress, etc., and um, which brings on depression, which makes it really difficult to work. Um, it ended up shifting my my practice again in mm -hmm. a profound way, and I became really, really interested in dance as healing. Mm -hmm. And that has been amazing. It ha it's been a another whole facet to to my work and my practice. Mm -hmm. And it's that that led me to head to the downtown east side and begin to wonder whether this powerful art form could do what I thought it could do, mm -hmm. both heal me and others. Mm -hmm. So what was a major obstacle trying to what I realized, what you realize, of course, is you don't get back after something. Mm -hmm. You start a new chapter. You start a new, de you develop a new um, practice, a new mm -hmm. um, sense of yourself as an artist. Mm -hmm. And I began studying um, yoga really deeply mm -hmm. and began very getting very interested in this inner energy body. Mm -hmm. So I shifted drastically from that time and gradually it was not easy to kind of come back into a position of, of being funded, but it did happen. And so that was probably the most obstacle-ridden time, and yet out of that obstacle-ridden time came, oh, you're getting cramps, stand up, do what you have to do. Oh, do what you have to do, I so know about the leg cramps. I made it, you're good, you're good, you're okay, yeah. So, so it deepened my practice, mm -hmm. ended up deepening my practice in a way that I would never for a moment regret. Mm -hmm. okay. And Jeff and I are dear friends, and um, he's doing really well. Okay. So, so that's the obstacle mm -hmm. that I had to meet. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, yeah. it was major. Uh -huh. and, and, and the decision of, do I really want it back to the sort of Sisyphus? Sisyphean. Mm -hmm. Do I really want to try and push this boulder again? Do right. I want to try to get this whole thing going again, this company? Uh -huh. And Pamela's been amazing at that. Because mm -hmm. we had to look at it, you know, like it was an ocean liner sort of mm -hmm. heading for the rocks. Yeah. And we're going, okay, so how do you turn this thing around and get it sort of going on right. track between the banks again? Uh, yeah. So that was the obstacle. And, 
And what I discovered, we discovered, is by being true to where this new direction is. Because mm -hmm. a lot of people would say, both on juries, we get written things out from the jury. Mm -hmm. Well, cannabis isn't doing those you know, really exciting works that they used to do. So, um, mm -hmm. you know, we just don't have confidence that you... Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. trying to just be true to it. You know what? That's There's what a, this is a new, this is a new right. development. This mm -hmm. is where I'm going now. Mm -hmm. this, is, this is who I am, where I'm coming from. And that very successful artist that could say, yeah, it's great. This is, this is right. who I am. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How long would you say that transition took? Oh, 10 years. 10 years. 10 years. Mm. 10 years to where we could say, Pamela and I, mm -hmm. you know what? We're in a new direction. Right. And, and some of what happened, of course, the tide turns with you. Because mm -hmm. mm -hmm. in a sense, much of what I've been working on, the community engaged work, the cross-cultural right, work, right. the uh, the work in site specific work yeah. suddenly became valid all mm -hmm. of a sudden whereas before there was only studio space or uh -huh. mm -hmm. Hmm. so the tide turned wow. with us thank you um we're gonna move on because we got so many questions for you oh yeah uh, yeah yeah i'll uh, just talk really really fast how about well, that yeah, don't <laughs> <laughs> you know you can always kind of it's a good reason to come back because we, we would like to be back um this one maybe what do you think of that one yeah well, i like that one and yeah, but we'll, we'll get to that. Do you want to talk or should I talk? About you should talk. No, I like it. I talk too much. <laughs> okay. Go, go. Um, if you had, there's one artist left, uh, who would you choose that person to be? It's not, I know what? It's a if there was one artist. Just a minute. If there's one artist remaining. Um, one artist, you mean in the world? Yes, yes. Uh, what kind of artist? Oh, we leave that up for you. So whether <laughs> so much fun. <laughs> One artist remaining. Oh, no, no, I can't. I can't. Too much? Okay. No. Because, uh, yeah. Do you have a, uh, an uh, a artist? A person I terribly admire that I think the world couldn't live without? Really? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah? You can do that. No. No. I just went to a wonderful show at the Belkin Gallery mm -hmm. where there's a... Try to say it if you can because it's, it's called um, Becoming Animal, Becoming Land, or something like that. Mm -hmm. It's humans morphing into animals. Mm -hmm. It was beautiful, and they drew from so many artists, right? Mm -hmm. Everybody from Emily Carr to Claude Berisi to, mm -hmm. to very contemporary. No, I would say I couldn't. Mm -hmm. I couldn't choose an artist. Mm -hmm. I couldn't. Mm -hmm. there, nobody would pop. It would be a, right. it would be a, a community, a direction, a... Right, yeah, something right. like that, like this direction. Um, I think that's some of our discussion. Definitely, yeah. Well, uh, would you uh, <coughs> advise? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, oh, but I, I could just say about direction. I could uh -huh. finish that thought. Sure, sure. That what yes. I was seeing uh, in that show at the Belkin mm -hmm. that was so exciting, and that was a bunch of artists who span not only time but um, aesthetics, mm -hmm. that uh, they talked about post-humanist, about... Uh, art being um, that the some of the current art ad, uh, really shi a shifting paradigm where human beings are not the center of the universe right but that the land has spiritual weights animals have spiritual weight we're we're inter the interconnection uh -huh. so this morphing transforming uh -huh. was so exciting to me so that's a direction that I find really exciting 
Because mm. I'm not really keen for the idea of the dominant human. I mean, we're not doing such a good job being dominant. <laughs> it might be better if we had a, had a more a more a mutual relationship with both land and animal yeah. form. Yeah. And so I find I am working in that way, especially with the downtown east side group, which is First Nations, Asian, and European. Mm-hmm. That cultural mix and the and the mixture of, of ways of, of seeing the animal land. Anyway. Yeah, mm-hmm. well, thank you. Thank so you. What, what was the question that I, that I, oh, advice? For our generation, what, yeah. would, what advice would you give us? Oh, stay curious about mm. everything that dance can be. Stay curious, stay open, trust yourself and your curiosity, your love, your mm-hmm. passion. Mm-hmm. Don't get caught by the outside mm-hmm. looking at you but rather look for the inside mm. because that's where others will be able to participate mm-hmm. in mm. and be transformed by. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I, I just have to ask, yeah. uh, what's, what's the most powerful thing that you, or what do you think dance can do to make people, say, curious and let the, po- the possibilities inside of dance, but what for you is the most, or some of the most attractive things that you've seen it do okay I think it can connect people with who they really are with their inner self it can empower Mm -hmm. it can ground people because it's um it's it's your body it can bring your mind and your body together Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. on in this place present now Mm. it's a lot of words to say Mm-hmm. Present now, here, integrated with yourself, uh-huh. to yourself, inside, outside. But presence, I think, is being connected to the, to the earth and being here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that's what dance can do. Wow. And now that. that takes us to a superpower. If you were going <laughs> to have a superpower, <laughs> what would that be and why? Oh, a superpower? I don't know. You, do, you wouldn't want a superpower? Not really. Really? Wow, amazing. But if you, <laughs> you had to be, if I had to, if you had I mean, somebody had a gun to my head. It's like, hey, we, we need to look at this. I think you can say she's already superpower. What, what is a superpower? Something that you can't do right now that you wish you could do, whatever that would be. Oh. It's something, it could be metaphysical, it could be, you know. Oh, but let I mean, me see. Let should. me see. something to do with awareness hmm. yeah something to do with awareness of what really is like yeah. an expansive awa- awareness well just awareness of what really is trees I don't know hmm. something yeah. like that hmm. wow thank you I don't know if we have time it's 4 or 3 we have to go to the OGM I, we were no. going to do a pick one game but I don't think we game. yeah I think um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> pick one game um, yeah, I think we should go to the